الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين استفهم بعد قال بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فعلا ما يريد سبحان ربك لما اجدت اما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد يوم بارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد يوم بارك One of the teachings of our deen is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is behind everything that happens to us. That nothing happens to us except out of the izan, irada, out of the permission and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every single thing that happens to us is part of our taqdeer, khayrihi wa sharrihi, the good in it and what we perceive to be the bad in it. Now this is a very basic teaching of Iman. And this is something even we ask our children to recite sentences that have this aqidah in it. I believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his angels and messengers and books and life after death and the day of judgment والقدر, and in the divine decree and destiny وشرره, the good in it and whatever may be perceived to be bad in it however when a person grows older and especially when a person enters their teens and young adults and twenties sometimes they start to wonder that if everything is happening to me because Allah Ta'ala wills it, then they get confused, especially when they face a setback, a failure, some difficulty, some opposition, some oppression, something unfortunate, something hurtful, something disappointing, and that they don't understand, especially when they're following being and they're coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're following the sunnah Sayyidina Rasulullah then a person wonders and why is this happening to me and then if on top of that they remember their core basic aqidah or tenets of belief that not only is this happening to me this misfortune, this difficulty that this is happening to me because Allah Ta'ala wants it to happen to me so some people at this stage they don't understand and then they get depressed or they think Allah Ta'ala is angry with me or why is Allah Ta'ala upset with me or Allah Ta'ala doesn't listen to my du'as or why is Allah Ta'ala even now this is a very dangerous sentence why is Allah Ta'ala doing this to me or why is Allah Ta'ala making this happen to me or why is Allah Ta'ala making this happen to me? So what is the way out? This is another one of the great benefits of the teachings of the awliya and mashayikh and the teachings of tariqat and tasawuf. They explain to us in every single sense what our relationship should be with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, what our perception should be about Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala what our feelings should be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So 
look at how do our Messiah explain to such a person. So our Messiah and our own Sheikh and especially the Messiah of our Sultanahli and Akshabandi Mujandli, Imam Muzabani Mujadad Al-Fisani Sheikh Ahmad Srihindi Nahtane, he explained this using the concept that Allah Sultanahli is Fa'ili Hakiki. Now, to put it in simple terms, it means Allah Santa is the real, ultimate doer of all actions. And Allah Ta'ala said in Quran about Himself, فَعَلُمْ لِمَا That Allah Santa ultimately and inescapably does whatsoever He intends and wishes. So now then, the question is that why is it Allah Ta'ala's irada for me that I face this difficulty? Why does Allah Ta'ala wish for me to be in this difficulty? Because if somebody loves Allah Ta'ala, and especially if they have been an obedient and loyal and worshipful servant and lover, if they've been a true lover, then they find it difficult to understand why Allah Ta'ala is still destined. So the way our Mashiach can explain this is several ways. Number one, is that Allah Ta'ala tests everyone. No matter how much a person may love Allah Subhanahu and no matter how much Allah Subhanahu may love that person, Allah Subhanahu still sends difficulties and tests upon them. And the greatest way to understand this, and the greatest example of this, is the life of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Because all of us know, and not just we know, but we believe, we profess, we are absolutely certain that Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the greatest lover of Allah subhanahu and also the greatest beloved of Allah subhanahu So if Allah subhanahu sent difficulties and hardships and sadnesses to the Prophet sallallahu then it means that no matter how much a person may be Allah ta'ala's lover and no matter how much a person may be Allah subhanahu beloved it will still never be able to change the fact that Allah Santa will always try and test us with hardship and heartbreak. So let us look at some episodes from the life of Sayyidina Rasulullah and let us ourselves imagine how we would feel in such a situation. And then we will realize that we would have gotten totally depressed. We would have been crushed. We would have been immobilized. We would have felt paralyzed if the things that happened to the Prophet son happened to us. So a few examples. Example number one. And Nabi Kareem sallallahu is an orphan. He has lost his father. He has lost his mother. He has lost his grandfather. Then there is one uncle of his, Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who takes care of him, who becomes everything for him in terms of every family tie. If there's any notion, and especially in that time, in the culture of that time, there was a profound sense of family, and of family elder, and to be under the wing, and guidance, and protection, and care, and love of family elder. So all of that, Sayyidina Rasulullah had a deeply profound, heartfelt attachment to his uncle Sayyidina Hamza, Now, just imagine us, Whoever, anyone, all of us who are listening tonight, or whenever we may listen, we can imagine somebody in our family who is extremely dear to us. Imagine our most dearly beloved family member, the one who looks out for us, the one who takes care of us, 
the one who is doing everything for us then imagine that that family member is assassinated and then that family member's body is mutilated and that somebody cuts open the chest of that family member and cannibalizes them and eats their organs okay, imagine this and then we have to go see the mutilated body of that family member and the mutilated and assassinated body of that family member is there right in front of us and we are cradling that family member in our arms most people I think would say that that would be a shock that we would never be able to bear that would be a trauma that would be something so severe that I don't know how I would be able to emotionally handle it but look at Sayyidina Rasulullah he is lover of Allah he is the beloved of Allah but he knew that notwithstanding my being Allah's lover and his beloved Allah is Allah and he will follow his procedure and he will follow his methods and he will send tests and trials and tribulations even on me so when Sayyidina Sussam saw this and when he came and he saw the body mutilated body of Sayyidina Hamza Shaheed radiallahu Number one, understand that the Prophet was sad. He was deeply saddened. He was grieved. He shed tears over what happened to his beloved uncle. But, Nabi Karim Sassam did not have a huzun. He was not depressed. He was not worried. He didn't go into shock. There was no trauma. There was no stress. That's the difference. So even when some catastrophe difficulty happens, when a person has true yaqeen in their iman that Allah Ta'ala is finally hakiki, fa'alam nama yurid, that this is the will and wish and decree of Allah Ta'ala, knowing that, and knowing that with absolutely certainty and surety, gives a person ease, grants a person sukoon, itminan, consoles and comforts a person, when they are confronted with a setback and a failure. So Sayyidina Rasulullah was sad emotionally when he saw the mutilated body of his beloved uncle Sayyidina Hamza Shaheed but he wasn't depressed, it didn't cause him stress, he didn't enter into a trauma, he didn't make him upset with Allah SWT, he didn't question Allah SWT because he knew that this was Sayyidina Hamza his destiny and he met his fate and his decree and his destiny in glory on the battlefield doing jihad offering his life for the sake of defending the deen of Allah and the prophet of Allah so Nabi accepted it now accept on the other hand I look at it from the verse perspective Knowing this and accepting it doesn't mean that the Prophet wasn't sad. He was sad. He did grieve. He shed tears. Even though he knew that this was the will of Allah. So this is a very important teaching of Deen, teaching of Quran, teaching of Sunnah, an example of the Seerah of Nabi Yaqeen That we must be firm and steadfast in our Yaqeen, our Tawakkul, our certainty and our faith and trust and dependence and reliance on Allah SWT are tawakkul such that no matter what happens no matter what difficulties trials, tests, tribulations setbacks, failures, enmities 
we may have to see from this life. We know that ultimately all of this is what Allah Ta'ala wants me to face. And it's not because Allah Ta'ala is angry with me. You see, this is the big difference. Sayyidina Sussam did not wonder to himself, is Allah Ta'ala angry with me? Why did he let my beloved uncle be assassinated and mutilated in such a way? Billah, he never thought like that, that Allah Ta'ala must be angry with me, Allah Ta'ala is upset with me. He never thought, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he never thought to ask this question, that why is Allah Ta'ala making this happen? I've now given another example of the life of Nabi Akareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He had children, however, one son and then another son, they died in infancy. This is a sadness. Sayyidina Rasulullah, he bore it with Halim, with forbearance. He bore it with sabr, with patience. And Nabi Akareem Sassam was definitely sad and grieved when his young sons passed away and he had to bury those infants in the grave. However, he was not depressed, not frustrated. He didn't go into paralysis he didn't sit in depression in his home and say, oh no, I can't do anything now. What am I, what can I do? All of my happinesses are gone. I have this worry in my heart now, sadness in my heart, husband, sorrow in my heart that my son has passed away. No, he didn't have that. So he sat, was sad, and he grieved, sallallahu but he didn't get into depression. Why? Because he knew that Allah Ta'ala is fa'al that this is the will of Allah SWT. If Allah Ta'ala had willed for my son to live longer, they would have lived longer. And it is Allah SWT's will that they should not grow up and they should pass away in this infancy stage. So be, let the will of Allah SWT be done. But again, reverse in the same way. He was still sad though. He still shed tears, however. So this is an example of the humanity and humility of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. Humanity means that he could feel emotional sadness. He could feel grief and over the passing away of a beloved one. Humility of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam is that he humbled himself and comes to the decree of Allah Taala. However Allah Taala wants him to be, but also someone's happy with that. He had maqam al-raza, he was completely content, had complete contentment with the will and wish of Allah This is something that our Mashaikh teach us, because this is something that each and every one of us need. This is not restricted exclusively just to the Prophet but this is something that every single one of us need to have this attribute, that we have yaqeen and tabakkal and we understand that whatever is happening is happening due to the will and the wish of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And nothing happens other than due to his will and wish. Now, how does that help a person, an ordinary person like you and me practically? What happens is then practically understand that number one, if it's the will and the wish of Allah ta'ala, then number one comfort we get, then that means Allah ta'ala knows Allah Ta'ala knows what situation I'm in. Allah Ta'ala knows the sorrow in my heart. Allah Ta'ala knows the grief that I'm feeling. Allah Ta'ala knows the enmity of the enemies. Allah Ta'ala knows the envy of the enviers. Allah Ta'ala knows what I'm going through. 
And so when a person has that, that itself is a source of solace and comfort. That itself is a great consolation that a person knows that my Rub knows the difficulty that I'm in. My Rub knows the heartache that I'm in. My Rub will take care of everything. My Rub will take me out of this. My Rub sees me in it and my Rub will take me out of it. This grants a person a tremendous, tremendous consolation, tremendous peace and soothing to the heart. Second, is that when we know that whatever is happening to me, because Allah Ta'ala will, it's not just that my Allah Ta'ala knows, it's also that Allah Ta'ala has wished me Allah Taala has wished me to go through the difficulty so it's not that the world is putting me through this difficulty or my enemy is putting me through this difficulty no it's Allah Taala wants me to go through the difficulty now then a person relaxes you see for example if a person is in training and this is what we are in salute on this path of being we are in training training to get taqwa, training to get kurva from Allah So if in training a person is made to run an obstacle course, but then they're told that, no, your drill sergeant deliberately put these obstacles here, and your drill sergeant wants you to run this obstacle course. They have selected you to run this obstacle course. Why? Because they have great hope and faith in you that you will successfully be able to overcome the obstacles in this course and that's part of your training and your overcoming these obstacles will make you a more skilled soldier will make you stronger will make you more confident will make you better so then we should just think that our entire life is an obstacle course and Allah himself for every one of us what obstacles we face Allah himself has put those obstacles in our path and Allah Ta'ala has knowingly done so. And He's done so within our ability. That Allah Ta'ala will not burden any self beyond their ability. And I was to translate it using the example I gave. Allah Ta'ala will not place more obstacles in any one of our life obstacle course. Allah Ta'ala will not place any more obstacles and we are able to overcome. What does that mean? It means that with every obstacle that is sent in our life, Allah Ta'ala necessarily, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala necessarily also has given us the wus'a, the ability to overcome that obstacle. So the second great thing is that we know that now this isn't random. This isn't the enmity of people, the envy of enviers. No, this is Allah Ta'ala put this obstacle here. And third, Allah SWT put this obstacle here for my own good to give me an opportunity to improve to develop and for Allah SWT has necessarily given me the ability to overcome this obstacle otherwise if it wasn't sent by Allah SWT it was sent by somebody else then we wouldn't know whether I'm going to be able to overcome it or not if somebody puts some hardship in my way I won't know whether I can overcome it or not 
because maybe they put a hardship in front of me that is too great for me to bear. But now that I know that every hardship is not put from anybody, apparently it may be the enmity of an enemy, the enemy of an envier, but in hakika, in reality, it, that obstacle has been placed by Allah So then I relax because I know Allah Ta'ala has put that, Allah Ta'ala has put that obstacle for me. And Allah Ta'ala has put a fear after every obstacle. Again, another verse which is important, Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala said in Quran, that know that after each and every difficulty there is an embedded, a hidden, a promised ease. That Allah repeated that yes, indeed, after every single difficulty there is a promised ease. Now, if some human sends difficulty my way, I know that they haven't sent that difficulty with any hair along with it, any hair behind it. They've sent that difficulty to crush me. I don't talk. No. And I send the obstacles in your life and every obstacle is within your ability and after every obstacle lies a reward. After every usr there is yusr, after every hardship there is ease. This again gives us great hope. This is the same as the new. That okay, this is a hardship for me that my sons pass away. This is a hardship for me that my beloved uncle becomes shaheed. But he knew with yakin that there will be yusr that comes afterwards. He knew with yakin that I can overcome this sorrow and grief. He had yakin and tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, now when is it that we're going to do tawakkul? And yes, certainly we should do tawakkul in good times. But when a person is afflicted and affronted and challenged and perplexed and confused and heartbroken, at that time a person simply has to do tawakkul al Allah. They just have to entirely trust, rely, and depend on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then how will that give them ease? Again, Allah ta'ala explained in Quran, مَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ That whomsoever places their faith and reliance and trust upon Allah subhanahu Allah ta'ala will be absolutely sufficient for them. Now a person's heart becomes completely content. That Allah Ta'ala is sufficient for me. Allah Ta'ala has promised ease after this difficulty. Allah Ta'ala has guaranteed me that this difficulty is something that I can bear. So all of these teachings of Quran, all of these ayat and verses of Quran are giving us optimism, are giving us hope, are giving us confidence. And our mistake is that we forget these teachings of Quran. We forget this yakin. We forget this tawakkul. We forget that Allah Ta'ala is fa'alna and then when every, any hardship comes to us, obstacle comes to us, we panic, we worry, we get stressed, we end up in tension, we react, we overreact, we compensate, we overcompensate. Why? Because we don't have true tabakko yet. And this is something that we can only learn from our Mashaif. And alhamdulillah, may Allah Ta'ala reward Imam Baha'u'llah Nakshaban that he actually taught a particular zikr a specific zikr in which a person when they practice this under the guidance of a sheikh then the practice of the zikr which is known as the muraqab of the jilliyat of aliyah when they practice the zikr then they will get these feelings means that they may emotionally be stressed but when they sit down and make the zikr then they will remember that it's Allah Ta'ala who sent it difficult to me on me then they will remember that Allah SWT has necessarily given me the ability to bear and navigate and overwhelm and overcome this difficulty. Third, they will know that after every hardship, there is a promised ease. 
so they will understand all of the things that we mentioned tonight. So this is one of the great benefits of doing this Mahakama of the Dhammata of Aliandra Mashai and generally being a person of the souls and Taskia because it is our Mashai that teaches us most excellently what it means to be have that humanity and to have that humility and to have that submission to Allah Taala and to have contentment with Allah Ta'ala's decree we make dua that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala always enable us to have the wusa to actualize and realize the wusa, the ability that we Allah Ta'ala has given to us to bear hardships, difficulties, setbacks and enmities and we make dua that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala enable each and every one of us to always remember that these difficulties have been sent by Him and the ability to bear them has, will also necessarily be sent by him. And then after we use that ability to bear that difficulty, then there's a promised ease that will follow up on that difficulty that will also be sent by him. And so this is one of the benefits of dhikr, that it makes a person more connected to Allah subhanahu as opposed to thinking about the means and coming up with strategies and tactics to counter their enemies or to remove their difficulties, or to address their worries. Instead, this person leaves their problems by turning towards the mercy of Allah SWT, the madad and nushrat, the help of Allah SWT, and the nur of the zikr of God. So we make dua that Allah Taala accept our talk tonight, and that He may revive all of our hearts with the nur and the zikr, and that we may all continue become people of zikr and become people who reach such a level where Allah Ta'ala said in Quran Allah inna awliya Allah indeed know that these friends of Allah Ta'ala la khawfan alayhim wa la yahzunun that there is no fear on them nor shall they ever grieve may Allah Ta'ala grant us a life like that in this world as well as a life like that in akhirah wa akhirah ta'wana alhamdulillah alhamdulillah alhamdulillah